0: That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Carletta Cole, who is not here today because she actually went on a vacation without me. Can you believe that? But she'll be back. Um, we're also coming to you live and on demand 24 four seven on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26, count them, 26 global audio video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and a whole bunch more. In fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on the bigger platform, Feedspot, out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Mary Borland is the author of the book, The Gap Between Loving and Supporting Someone with Alzheimer's, which conveys a moving and deeply personal portrait of her family's journey through the disease. Mary is also a lawyer and has spent the bulk of her 25 year legal career working on transactions outside the United States, principally in Latin America. And she also has vast experience in ethics and compliance matters, having served as the Chief Compliance Officer for two publicly traded international companies. Before we get started, I do want to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Noah St. John, known as the father of affirmations and the mental health coach to the stars. Just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one, on our membership website, caregiverdave.com. And all of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Mary, so great to have you on the Caregiver Dave show.
1: Thank you, Dave. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Oh, the honor is ours. And I always like to ask my guests, just who is Mary Moreland and why was she placed on this earth? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I'm still figuring that out. And, and maybe the reason I was placed here changes as I age. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, I think, I don't know, I I live in Houston, Texas. I'm a mother of two teenage sons. Um, I'm also a lawyer professional. And maybe the reason I was placed on this earth could be to write this book, which chronicles the experience um, with me and my mother through her almost decade journey, living with Alzheimer's.
0: Well, that's a good answer. Congratulations. (laughs) So tell me about your book. Um, the title again is what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is the gap between loving and supporting someone with Alzheimer's, and as and I and that includes
0: dementia also, right? Because Alzheimer's that, that, is a yes. form of dementia. Alzheimer's My mother had dementia. My okay. mother-in-law had dementia, and her sister—they um, b- have both left us. And her sister, who's eighty-four now. Has dementia, and she found a boyfriend at her uh, independent living facility who's eighty-seven, and they're just getting along just fine. And I'm so glad she did because God it would cost a fortune to replace what he does for her as a caregiver. And so <laughs> God just answered a prayer, and now everyone's happy. And uh, she's on her meds because I got involved because she was you know she wasn't taking her meds. And she was just a wreck because, you know, she couldn't remember things and she was, but now she's so much better and I don't think she's getting worse. So that's a miracle.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I took over the care of my mother after my father's death. And during that time, you know, it was such an upheaval and such an emotional time. And she was extra loopy. And when I did an inventory of all of her medications and compared them against you know, what the doctor sent me, I found that she was off of her meds and yeah. she was taking the wrong medication. She was taking the wrong amount. Right. And so I would suggest that to any caregiver, actually, once you are assume your role, you know, just to call the doctor and ask that person for a list of what your loved one should be on and and compare it with what they are on.
0: Right, cuz she was she was not taking her thyroid correctly, she wasn't taking her diabetes medication correctly. Uh there was blood pressure medication. So when all that gets out of whack, you know, it really mimics uh heavy duty dementia. I mean, she couldn't remember how to write a check, you know, for the rent and that's why, you know, there was red flags about hey, you know, if if your aunt is like this, we she can't stay here because you have to be, have, be able to do certain things, you know, and have certain abilities. And fortunately, we moved her in with her uh, boyfriend and uh, he is acting as a caregiver. And, I mean, he's not uh, the sharpest tool in the shed either, but uh, he's a lot better than her. <laughs> and so with <laughs> with us taking care of her meds and her new insurance, we got her out of Kaiser and that, that was a big uh, relief because Kaiser was just too far away. You know, they're, they're not everywhere. They're just far enough away to be inconvenient. So everything's great. And she loves to sing. So I started karaoke at the center, and she helps her remember the songs. And, and that's just really, really good. So uh, your book, what do you hope readers will get out of your book?
1: Well, I really wrote my book with the purpose of helping people. Because after the experience with my mother, like any experience, you reflect upon it and you realize there are certain things you didn't know or you wish you had known or you wish you had known sooner. So I really took some time to identify some topics that I thought would have been very helpful for my younger self. Mm. So it really is the book that I I wish I could go back in time and hand, (laughs) you know, married this book and say, this is gonna be really helpful for you.
0: That's great. Uh, I love going back to my younger self and having a discussion (laughs) with me. Uh, I just wish I could remember those discussions. <laughs> and if a stranger ever comes up to you and says, "I'm from your future," listen to me. You should listen to them.
1: <laughs> I, next time that happens, I will.
0: Yes. <laughs> so let's see. What can you do if you are at your wit's end, <laughs> which is every day for a caregiver, uh, several times a day, and don't think that you can stand another minute? Gee, have you ever felt that way?
1: <laughs> I I have felt that way, and you know, people, at least from what I found, because what I know is my personal experience, uh, would tell me, go take a break, you know, go get a manicure, pedicure, go find a place to have a massage, go for a walk, and, you know, make sure you take care of yourself. And I would just think, gosh, that's one other thing that I'm going to need to do. (laughs) Like when, like when and how am I going to take care of myself? Plus, a lot of those activities can be isolating you know, it, it's nice to go for a walk, but if you're just going for a walk by yourself, you know, you may still be ruminating about everything you have to do, or you may start feeling guilty that you're actually going for a walk. Yeah. Now, every person is different. Different things work for different people. For me, talking to people was very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't underestimate the Alzheimer's Association helpline it's a 24/7 helpline they have experts who are standing by and they can help you with crisis they can you know if you have a scenario like my mother will not bathe or <laughs> i don't know how to take away it's a party.
0: common one <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's another common will, one yeah
1: they will actually you know help walk you through that when i was really at my wits end i called my mother's doctor and i talked it through with him because I felt like you know what I'm doing is not sustainable. Um, you know another thing people say is go to a caregivers you know meeting but
0: like a what support I found, group
1: a support group. what I found in doing research for my book is that there are a lot of people who are very uncomfortable doing that yeah. or they feel like they don't have the time to do it and they don't are we talking share. about for the
0: caregiver or for the, for the dementia? Caregiver. okay
1: they don't want to share. Their personal information with sure. a lot of strangers. So I think podcasts like your podcast, Dave, and there are other podcasts, there are some books, there's Alzheimer's Connect, there's some Facebook groups like the Caregiver Daughter. All mm-hmm. those things are very helpful for people as well.
0: Yeah. And nobody wants to get to the point of burnout. You know, I hate it when my phone, you know, is flashing 20% and, and I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's flashing 10%. And it's, oh... And then it's flashing, you know, (laughs) 2% danger, Will Robinson. And he says, why didn't I take care of it earlier? You know, we should not let our lives and our caregiver lives get to the point where we're 2% away from burnout, you know, and from yelling and screaming and and losing our temper. So, you know, the best thing that we can do, and I, I think it's especially harder. I mean, all caregiving is hard, but it's especially difficult for uh alzheimer's or dementia patients and i i used to say that about my wife because my wife had a stroke and she has aphasia she can't speak and so our life is just charades and pictionary two games i hate by the way but that's the only way we communicate (laughs) and i thought that that was the worst thing that can happen but no not really uh when my mother had dementia i realized that there's something worse than that it's not knowing who you are not remembering who you are See, at least my wife has everything in her mind. She knows what she wants to say. She just can't spit it out. So it's just a game, a game of charades and Pictionary. But with my mother, there's no game. <laughs> she, you know, she just, um, she just wonders why is she still here? Why doesn't God take me away? And so um, there's there's things you can do that I've learned, you know, like the headphones and the music uh Things uh, can can bring her back uh, momentarily. You know, we have these moments. Why don't you talk about that, moments? And when what we shouldn't do when we speak to a dementia or Alzheimer's patient and what we should do. Because, you know, I always try to be logical, but uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. No, dad's been gone for But we shouldn't do that, right?
1: <laughs> well, right. So, you know, I remember after my father passed away my mother kept asking me what happened you know his name was Marvin what happened to Marvin and for a while I would tell her you know what had happened and every time I told her you know it was like she was grieving that death over and over again and I felt like it was cruel to do that and you were them, so, yeah yes and So I eventually would tell her, you know, he loves you so much and he's in a very safe place and he's fine. And she was satisfied with that. Mm. I'll tell you for a while, my mom kind of at the beginning, middle stage of the disease, she would all of a sudden remember a fact, you know, (laughs) just an obscure fact, you know, about me or about one of my siblings. And I would think, she's there. She's in there. If I just ask her enough questions and I just like get it out of her, like she's going to come back. And I would spend a lot of time and energy and frustration you know, and frustrate, like asking her and don't you remember? And let me show you this picture. And and I, I think at the end of the day, she just agreed with me because she was really <laughs> just kind of sick of me. But you just have to meet your loved one where your loved one is. And those moments are going to happen. And in a lot of ways, they're just heartbreaking, right? Because you so want to your person to be back. You know, and Alzheimer's is such a thief. It just, it robs the person with Alzheimer's and it robs the people who love the person with Alzheimer's because you, you don't get to enjoy that person like you used to. Uh, but I think if you just... Accept that that's how the disease works. Meet your relative or loved one where that person is and have gratitude that you got to experience that moment and then, you know, move on from it. And try to make memories that you can enjoy later on in the disease. You know, I found at the beginning of the disease, I spent a lot of time thinking about the end and where we inevitably would end up. That I think I missed out on a lot of good activities and warm memories that we could have been making at the beginning of the disease and I think those memories are so helpful at the end because you can remember how you know we went to my children's play at school and how much fun that was or we used to go to museums or my mom you know there was a lot of life at the beginning you know during mild cognitive impairment and even a little after that, she continued writing. She arranged flowers. She wrote short stories. You know, we were still able to really enjoy each other. I just had to be very cognizant that I met her where she was at that time.
0: Yeah, that's not easy to do because you're you're concentrating on what she needs and her needs, and everyone wants to. Well, what about me? You know, I, I <laughs> uh, you know I want to sacrifice. I don't want to do this and. And my my sister used to um, say, well, why should I come and visit mom? Because she doesn't even know that I was there. And and I said, well, you're not doing it for her. Maybe you're doing it for you. And maybe she does know that you're there, but doesn't show it. Because maybe after you leave, she has a great day. She's just in a good mood. And she, she may not know why she's in a good mood. But you just put her in a good mood because you showed up. And here you're thinking that you had no effect on it. Why should I come back?
1: Yeah. And I think if you're the primary caregiver and you have, you know, relatives or friends who say that, you know, why should I go visit her? She doesn't even know if I'm there. It's also very easy to kind of focus on that and start to feel resentful Mm -hmm. uh, about that. Right. I mean, I think you were talking about the caregiver, the caregiver, adorable human reaction like they
0: don't understand they don't want to take the time to to find out you know who she is no
1: you can only control your life right you can't control other people's lives Um, so it's hard to do but you have to you know also meet other people where they are.
0: Yeah. In all fairness to my sister, she did take my advice and she did come back again and again and realize that I was right. (laughs) I hate it when I'm right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it wonderful when you're right?
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Other people don't always think so, but uh, movies, uh, Being Alice, The Notebook, do you recommend them for caregivers of uh, Alzheimer's or dementia patients? And and how can they help? Um,
1: I started to watch, um, you know, being Alice. and it, it was just too painful for mm-hmm. me to watch. Before I went through the Alzheimer's journey, I loved the movie The Notebook, but now I really, um, watch it, uh, I really just can't watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah, heartbreaking scenes. Because, like I said, you know, they come and they go, and and uh, nobody can watch that without crying. <laughs> <laughs> I know my mother was being tortured because she didn't want to be here, and 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 like I said, ask God why, and I asked God, you know, why, why, what possible purpose could she be fulfilling in in hanging around? Because dementia patients and Alzheimer's, they seem to hang around for a long time, don't they?
1: Well, I can just speak from my mother's experience, but it was almost a decade long.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's that's pretty typical too.
1: Yeah, it is. But I know a few minutes ago, you had talked about how do you not reach that stage of burnout? You know, are are there things that you can do yeah. so that your phone doesn't get to the 2%? <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: Thank you for um, coming back to that. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, of course. You get on you tangents. <laughs> um, and I would say don't live in the future, but try to plan for the future. You know, accept that you don't have control over Alzheimer's but planning a bit might give you a sense of control and lower your stress level. And, you know, what do I mean by that? So if you talk to the doctor and say, what's going to come next, what do we need to be, you know, aware of as a family? Uh, What should we be thinking of? You might be able to go ahead and think through some scenarios, which could help you later on, like, you know, a stomach plug. We had a lot of discussions internally about, would would your mother have a stomach plug when she stops eating, which is, you know, a device by which in a feeding you're a feeding
0: tube. Is that what you're eating. talking about?
1: Yes. And I had really thought that her legal documentation mm-hmm. would have covered off a lot of these nuances. But what I found is, you know, there are a lot of things in between and it's very helpful if you kind of foresee those things and have a discussion about it, and you already know the answer to that when it comes up. You know, another thing might be living arrangements. Maybe mom's living at home right now, but you know eventually she may need to live somewhere else. So if you can go ahead and do that research, and if you're overwhelmed as the primary caregiver and you don't have time to do that, maybe that's something you can delegate, like to someone who's out of town you know could you do some research and make a list for me of possible places that we might want to look into for mom yeah and i'd also say i wish i had explored hospice care earlier because i was under the impression that hospice is only for people who are at death's door but yeah. what i learned is that since alzheimer's is a terminal condition you may be able to qualify for hospice a lot earlier than you think
0: Palliative hospice,
1: care, yeah. And palliative, but hospice is covered by Medicare.
0: Hmm. Normally,
1: palliative care may not be. Oh, really? And hospice get, Hospice is just a type of medical care where the focus is on comfort right. instead of cure. And they also have counseling and grief counseling and other things for caregivers.
0: Is there any time limit uh, for a hospice versus, well, you know, they've got to die in six months or whatever, or how open-ended is it?
1: So I, I used to have this on the tip of my tongue and it's actually in my book, but there is, there is a time limit, but there is a way that you can extend it. And the hospice organizations will know how to do that with your doctor. And they'll also know kind of, maybe there's some things that are covered by your insurance or by Medicare that might be helpful. So for example, I didn't know there was such a thing as a high back wheelchair, you know, I just never seen one before, but the minute hospice came in, they said, oh, your mom needs a high back wheelchair because she's kind of losing her mus- mm-hmm. muscular ability and she's kind of leaning over. And they were able just to arrange for that. Um, and they how do they keep of- her
0: in it? Does it, do they strap her or, or is it concave? Uh,
1: no, it's just like, you know, the way it's designed, I think. Leans back her, a little. Yeah. Um, or they had good ideas, like in later stages of the disease, your loved one might grip really hard, uh, and just simple ideas. They had, like, you know, rolling up a towel or something, so that, yeah. or a little tube, so that your loved one's gripping on that and, and not, you know, hurting herself. Uh, another way, I think, is You know to prevent getting to burnout is to try to take a step back and see what you can do more efficiently Mm -hmm. like if you can if you're still going to cbs or walgreens to pick up your prescriptions every month maybe you can have those delivered to you um you know i live in houston which is a big city so this doesn't exist in a lot of locations but like i found a bobol dentistry Mm -hmm. um who would actually go to her and they specialized in older uh, people and people living with dementia uh, or a mobile nurse, or you may qualify under your insurance for like a bather yeah. uh, to come to your house or maybe physical therapy, which yeah. may also give you just a little bit of a break.
0: So what do you, what yeah. do we do about setbacks? You know, cause it's like two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back How do we not be discouraged or depressed or, you know, maybe the caregiver needs to be on medication too, you know, I don't know. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, you know, I think Alzheimer's, it's an emergent story. There are going to be lots of changes. Uh, I remember, you know, one time I was going to pick my mother up to take her to go to the doctor. And I just assumed she would get in the car because she always (laughs) got in the car. Right. You know, we had never had that problem. I mean, I had to do her seatbelt, but she was always able to maneuver into the automobile. Uh-huh. And this time it was just impossible. And
0: really.
1: I think you have to, you know, verbalize that. <clears throat> like, we're not going to be able to do this this way anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, reframe it as a learning opportunity. Uh, you know, how am I going to do this differently? What do I need to change Um, is there a new strategy that I could use? And I think if you try to reframe it as something to learn from, that it helps you become a more resilient caregiver.
0: Right. Now, um, I've been doing uh, caregiver wellness retreats, uh, actually mastermind trainings, six-month coaching, and then a bonus retreat vacation at the end of seven days in Acapulco. And a lot of caregivers, even though they need that and they re- they recognize they need it, they say, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. But, you know, they're full of excuses why they can't. Oh, you know, uh, m- my mother will only, uh, you know, respond to me. Uh, I can't be away uh, for seven days or, uh, no, I can't get uh, a stranger in here, a respite, et cetera. But yet, you know, if they don't do that, they're going to burn out. And thirty uh, percent of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do. Many more become sicker oh, than the ones they're dealing with. Yeah, and um, become hospitalized and need a caregiver of their own. So uh, it's like it's very short-sighted of them because, of course, they think it they're doing great, but they're not eating right. They're not resting right. You know, the average caregiver gets two hours rest every night when they need eight. And and many of them, you know, th- they're patient if you want to call their loved one, their patient, should really be in a dementia ward or in a nursing home or at least in assisted living because they're trying to watch them 24 hours a day like like a staff of a facility and they can't. But if they don't put their needs first and take a vacation or go to Acapulco with caregiver Dave or whatever, uh, the body eventually will just say, I ain't doing anymore and just shut down. And now what are they going to do with their a uh, loved one who they insisted would not uh be with anybody else or uh but they're going to have to go with somebody else and and maybe a, a sibling who isn't quite as compassionate as uh as you are might just you know throw them into a nursing home i i know a lot of sibling siblings that would do that uh and they shouldn't be caregivers but you know when when sometimes the, the duties are just uh thrown upon somebody who doesn't have the gift for caregiving, you know, they can do things like that. So um, how do you encourage a caregiver to take those breaks and to seek help when they need it, not when their body absolutely shuts down, you know, not when your health is on 1% and then when it goes down and the battery dies, you know, uh, an ambulance has to take you away.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And you know, for me, it was the opposite. People would say, I hope you're taking care of yourself. You know, (laughs) what are you doing to take care of yourself? You really need to be taking care of yourself. And I would always say that I was fine. You know, I am taking care of myself and I'm fine because I think people who are caregivers are dependable. You know, they're responsible for me. I'm a bit of a control freak, you know, (laughs) like I like things done my way. And I also wouldn't want to be the person who says, no, I'm, I'm not fine. You know, who who wants to be that guy, right? Um, but it that makes it even harder for people who want to help to know what to do. Right. Uh, and so I think it's helpful, you, you kind of alluded to this, to do kind of a root cause analysis. Mm-hmm. So ask some open-ended questions, you know, what's the reason that you don't want to go on the retreat, mm. you know, and like one thing you mentioned was, well, that person doesn't feel like it's an option because nobody's going to take care of my loved one like I take care of my loved one.
0: Yeah. And and you're probably right. No one will be as good as you. But all you need is someone to take care of her adequately, adequately. You know? that you're and they'll miss you. And when you come back, they'll appreciate you more. Absence makes the heart go fonder. It's almost (laughs) like makeup sex, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So maybe in that instance, you could start slow. You know, that caregiver is not going to say, okay, I'll leave the house for three hours while I do my errands and you watch dad or mom or sister. So maybe you could say, I'd like to come over and bring you lunch, you know? And then while you're there, you know, Why don't you go upstairs and pay some bills or or while I visit with dad for a while? Mm. Or, hey, are there things that I could do around your house while you're visiting with dad? Because I know you want to be the person who's really here with dad. And then you can kind of start slowly, I think.
0: And then eventually,
1: maybe that person will see, you know, Mary's not how good, fe-
0: how good it feels, you know, how Wow, it really feels. felt good to be away for an hour. Maybe I'll try three hours next time. And wow. Yes. I-, I wonder if I can be gone for the whole day. And yeah, I wonder if she'd miss me if I went for, for the weekend and, you know, you, you slowly work your way up to it.
1: slowly totally work your way up. I think a lot of caregivers too, just have a lot of guilt. You know, I, they feel like Big if time. I'm not there all the time, then I'm a bad caregiver, you know? And never underestimate the power of just telling someone you should not feel guilty by putting your loved one in the hands of, of a loving environment or other people are taking care of that person. You know, you are doing a good job as a caregiver. And, right. and that person you're taking care of probably would want you to, you know, enjoy things.
0: Right. And they also worry about well, what if something happens when I'm not there? What if they got sick and had to go to the hospital? What if they died and I wasn't there? I was in Hawaii having a good time or something. I could never live with myself. You know, what do you say to those people? Oh, <laughs>
1: well, that, that's a tough one. Nothing but I hard mean,
0: questions here. That's
1: you know. a hard question. You know, since I'm a bit of a control freak, probably I would have made a list of like, you know, here are all the insurance things. He, here's where if mom gets sick yeah. and she needs to go to a hospital, here's where she's going to go. You know, right. here's the number. It would
0: happen whether you were there or not there.
1: Yeah. And if you have provided kind of the contact information, what is that person going to do that you wouldn't have done?
0: Right, nothing. You know? And they can always call you up. And, uh, and they could say- always
1: call you up. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, during COVID, that that was such a hard time oh, for yeah. caregivers, and you know, the people you love, and especially from the caregivers' perspective, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't see the person, you couldn't be with the person. Honestly, it was the one time I felt like I shouldn't feel guilty because it's literally legally not required for me to go over there, <laughs> but I still felt bad. And my mother actually passed away during COVID and and we had that situation that you talked about with the phone. Yeah. You know, of uh, people saying goodbye, you know, through the telephone. Right. And it it obviously wasn't perfect because people would have wanted to be there. But, you know, at least you're getting to see your loved one and your loved one is getting, you know, to see, you know, your face. And you do get maybe not the best sense of closure as if you could be there, but at least you have some sense of closure.
0: Yeah. Well, we're running out of time. We still wanted to talk about, you know, uh, how do we talk to our children about Alzheimer's and, and, you know, the stigma that comes with having it, you know, a lot of times the spouse will be in denial. Oh, no, no, no. He's okay. He just has, he just forgets things every now and then, you know, they minimize it. And, that was uh,
1: my family, yeah, <laughs> completely, yeah.
0: And then you talked in your it, book about the gift of documentation, so maybe you can touch on some of those.
1: Okay, well, the gift of documentation is so important. That's just mm. making sure you have, you know, your legal documentation mm. uh, to be able to assist your loved one because the law is very strict uh, about your ability to obtain medical records or, you know, you can't even – use your loved one's bank account to pay their own bills unless you're legally authorized and the way to do that is through documentation
0: but in order to to be on the the bank account as a signer or
1: to be on the bank account yeah yeah, to to take care of these things and now's the time uh, to
0: do all this right and the living uh will which is you know uh no um my mother um you know we had that all filled out and and she had to go to the hospital in time because she had some trouble swallowing. And I told the doctor right up front, me, I said, listen, my mother knows Jesus and she wants to go and don't look for excuses to keep her alive because she has uh, these documents. And And he says, oh, OK, uh, I was going to put a feeding tube. She said, no, she doesn't want that, you know. And he says, well, then we'll just have to, you know, basically starve her. And uh, give her, you know, the medication, morphine, so that she's not in any discomfort. Then she got this bladder infection. And I says, mm. well, what can you do with that? I said, we can give her an antibiotic. And so she was gone in three days. And mm. and that was uh, a nice thing. She was able to say goodbyes. We got all the family there. And she she had her will. She had the, the death that she wanted and, the, and that we wanted, too, because it was terrible to see her suffer like that.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad that you had that. Um, And a lot of people resist, actually resist putting that type of documentation in place. Mm. Um, And so I do include in my book kind of tips or suggestions for how to talk to a loved one who doesn't want you to have that type of authority.
0: Yeah. Well, it's much easier to do it then uh to feel awkward explaining it and and uh you just need to fill them out together and uh i know with my aunt um you know we we did it together and i says you know do you do you want a feeding to and you know and she couldn't understand a lot of these things and i says well uh you know there were movies out where they kept someone alive and and you know the the spouse had one opinion and the parents had another opinion they went to court and uh, but I think I got her to understand that if if you're like brain dead and you, you don't know what you are, and you don't know who you are, you don't know who I am. Do you really want to stay alive? And she's no, 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 I don't want that. You know, so well, put it in as, as easy words as you can uh, if you're a little late in the process to at least get that thing filled out and get her to sign it.
1: Yeah, I, as long as they still have the legal capacity to do it. But one thing I think. helpful is just to remind them the reason why you want this is to respect their wishes right you know it's you want to make sure as a caregiver you're doing what they want
0: yeah yeah well uh thank you so much for coming on the show i wish we had some more time (laughs) but thank uh, you i just want to tell everybody uh to remember that uh this show and all our shows uh, are recorded podcasts after they are live and you can listen to them on your favorite platform that I mentioned earlier or on caregiverdave.com, my free membership website. And another reminder my newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, is Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, it is spreading wisdom all over the world. It's available wherever books are sold on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And join my Caregiver Dave Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers, where you learn all about my new caregiver wellness retreat and mastermind vacation in Acapulco that I offer to burnout caregivers, trying to keep as many of those 30% of caregivers who die before their loved ones alive. And if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening, that helps us even reach more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. Um, did we mention your book? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, think, I think we did at the beginning. It's called The Gap Between Loving and Supporting. Uh, someone with Alzheimer's. And you know, you can find it wherever you buy a book. Uh, you can also go to my website, www.marymoreland.com okay. uh, to learn more about it if you're interested.
0: Great. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> so until <laughs> next week, same time, same channel. Thank you, Mary. And uh, thank you everyone who tunes in and for making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Dave Nassani, otherwise known as Caregiver Dave. And I'm coming to you live from this beautiful Acapulco Villa, which I like to say is the perfect prescription for caregiver burnout. And I have a unique opportunity to bring 14 burned out caregivers up here so that they can decompress and do all the things that they need to do. But this is just a bonus. It actually comes with the six-month zoom coaching program it's a one-on-one consult with me caregiver dave to identify where you are and where you need to go it's a six monthly small group coaching sessions to smash any obstacles between you and your ideal vision of what a caregiver needs to be and caregiver success you get my three free books and instructions on boundaries grief self-care organization asking for help learning how to say no avoiding burnout, avoiding depression, avoiding perfectionism, avoiding isolation, avoiding resentment, delegation, team building, how to have fun, how to have no guilt, the importance of gratitude, and after caregiving when you're no longer a caregiver. But this seven day bonus is absolutely free. It comes with the coaching program that you pay for. And the food is all inclusive. I'm telling you, seven days and seven nights here is amazing. This is truly paradise. And I highly recommend it. For more information, go to caregiverdave.com. That's gonna send you to my other website. And if you want a shortcut to get there immediately, just go to acapulcodave.com. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you in Acapulco. Sometimes.